Isn't it lovely when God is at work? It's something I love. Um, Living Free Course, um, you heard a little bit about that. Um, I'm sure many of you uh, might have heard of the Living Free Course, but not sure what it's all about. There are sign-up boards outside, but I'm going to just read to you an extract, which I think will help you understand the nature of the Living Free Course. Um, And it simply says here, inside of you, there is another you. Hidden deep in your heart is a person whose character is everything you thought you could be and more. This person inside of you is you, the real you, that you that God, your creator, designed you to be. You can be restored to God's original design for your life through the freedom that is found only through Jesus Christ. In this course, you'll learn about God's original design for your life and His unconditional love for you. How do we appreciate and make use of what is called here the gift of repentance? How to completely release past hurts and injustices? How to break the power of spiritual strongholds and the generational sin patterns from your life? How to rise above the past and present circumstances to live in freedom, confidence, authority, and joy. That's the course. So it is taking place, starts on the first Saturday um, of November, and it's from 9 to 12. And my suggestion to you is, if you can't be there for the whole course, rather don't come for this time around. Uh, Let somebody else be there, and you can come next time around. But I do think you need to be there for the whole course. It's four Saturdays. And then there's prayer ministry that follows that. All right. Now, we're back to uh, our Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it's called A New Way to Live. uh, Because being a follower of Jesus means our lives are going to change. And in fact, if you're like me, you'll discover your life is going to change way more than you realized. If you're a follower of Jesus. Paul, when he was writing to the Corinthian church, was very passionate about this thing that people's lives change when they become Christians. And so he said, if any man is in Christ, any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so this morning, we want to look at one of the areas of change that takes place in our lives when we become Christians. And that's in the area of money, finances, and possessions. In fact, if you look through the Bible, you'll discover over and over and over again this issue is spoken about. I was quite amazed this week when I was doing my preparation for this morning to discover just how many verses there are in the Bible that deal with money and finances. Would anybody like to hazard a guess as to how many verses there are in the Bible that deal with this topic? Somebody, shout out a number. What do you think? A hundred. Okay. Anybody else? Thousand? Somebody else? Let me tell you. 2,350 verses in the Bible. Somebody worked it out. It wasn't me. That roughly 15% of everything that we've got recorded that Jesus spoke about had to do with money. If you translate that into our Sunday sermons, that means about eight times during the year we need to be talking about money. If we're going to be true 
to the emphasis that Jesus placed on it. So I want you to realize, amazingly, this is quite a significant aspect of our Christian life, the whole issue of our money and possessions. And, and we see this over and over again in the Bible. Look at, look at what happens um, in Luke's Gospel with Zacchaeus. And I'm not sure whether today Zacchaeus would have been part of the state capture or the Guptas or whatever. But he was one of those kind of guys. He was a tax collector and he was certainly helping himself to people's money. But look what happens in this man's life. It says Zacchaeus stood up. He was face to face with Jesus. And he said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions away to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Listen to Jesus' response. He says, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus sees that salvation has come to this man because of the way he had responded to what he had done, particularly in the area of money and finances. Look at what happens when the people of Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, when they come to Christ, and these were people in particular who had dabbled in the occult. Listen to Acts chapter 19. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, which means nothing to anybody here this morning. But I did do an exercise. Do you know how much 50,000 drachmas is in rands? It's 90 million rands. I mean, just think about what people were doing. They said, this is being used for the devil. We're not going to try and sell it off somewhere else. We're going to burn it and destroy it. 90 million rands worth of stuff in one city in Ephesus. Tells you how much occult worship was going on. Eh? What about the unexpected response of some really poor Christians in Macedonia when Paul put to them an appeal to help uh, with the needs uh, of the church in Jerusalem? Listen to how they responded. And I, I want you to pick in particular, take note of this. Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace God has given to the Macedonian church. He doesn't want to say, start off by saying, we want you to know how much money they gave. He said, we want you to see how grace was at work. Out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. That's grace at work in the life of a believer. What about the way the early church responded to the poor? In Acts 2. It says the believers had everything in common, and they gave to everyone as he had need. Verse 32, no one claimed any of his possessions as his own. Friends, I see that as miraculous. This is not normal life. This is not the way people behave. This I understand to be the working of God in people's lives who'd become Christians. In Acts chapter 4, 
there were no needy persons among them. And we know why there were no needy peoples. People were selling their land and they were taking... And I don't think everybody sold their land. I don't think that's the teaching of the Bible. But I think some people were... The Lord impressed on them to sell something that they had that had value. And they brought the money. And so it alleviated to a large degree the poverty amongst the believers. Because there were a lot of, obviously a lot of believers... I mean, I was very, very deeply challenged. I, uh, some of you in this church this morning are, 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 are know what it is to leave your own country and relocate to South Africa. You know what it is, in other words, to be a refugee. And, and there was, in one of our life groups, there was a, a family uh, uh, that had, had come to South Africa. And you know one of the things that, that people struggle with is accommodation. And if they do happen to find accommodation, it's sometimes even more expensive per square meter than what we're paying for. They totally get ripped off. And this, this family was staying uh, in a home not far from here, and their landlord said to them, you're out, we've got somebody else we're giving your place to. And that life group rallied around them, and, and through a whole process actually bought them a house. And they said, we can't sit back and just watch what's happening. We need to do something about this. And they rallied around. They actually bought that family a house, and they're still living in it today, probably about a year and a half, two years ago. One life group did that, just because God had moved their hearts. So I, I'm like encouraged to see the way God works in our hearts when, when, uh, when it comes to money and finances. So, so let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And, and my, we all got a number of verses to preach through. But I want to just overlap with one verse into Eva's preaching next week because I feel it, it, it ties in with what I want to say today. So listen to the words of Jesus. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. Who's had a robbery here before? Put your hand up. Who's had somebody? Wow, look at that. So you know what Jesus means here. Okay. That's phenomenal. Then he goes on to say, The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Talking about the way that we see things. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not... Here's the verse that I wasn't supposed to preach on. But I feel this is tied together because listen to what Jesus said. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore... And when there's a therefore in the Bible, ask yourself what it's there for. Because he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink or about your body. What you wear is not your life, more than food and your body, more than clothes. Jesus ties that worry thing into you cannot serve both God and money. So the first thing that I think Jesus is touching on is the, there needs to be the reality of heaven in our lives. You know, we often think about heaven as a one-day place we are going to. But, but Jesus is saying over here, by what we do with what we own and the money that we have, we can make a deposit in heaven. Just think about this. 
We're a culture that's very focused on the now, this world, the instant, everything. Isn't that true? But Jesus says over here, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, he's saying heaven is real now. Eternity is something very real. It's not just something to in the by and by. It's something we need to consider right now. In other words, as we keep factoring heaven into what we're doing with our money and possessions, the value of money begins to change. I want you to think about this for a minute. I, I felt the Lord really ministered to me out of this. You know, we're always hearing about how money is losing its value. There's one place it doesn't lose value, it's in heaven. Never loses value in heaven. So what I do and what you do with what God's entrusted us with now, as we use it for God's work and helping people, one another, the poor around us, the Bible tells us through that we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. May I put it to you as simply as this. Your money's not gone, it's invested. You know, isn't, don't you often have the sense, well, I've given away, it's now gone. The amazing thing that, the, that Jesus is saying over here, it's not gone. It's actually in an investment account. And it's in an incredible investment account. You, in fact, will discover the investment is far greater than you could ever imagine. And that's what Jesus is, is trying to bring, bring home. And I'm going to, to move through. I'm not going to pick up on all the scriptures now. Just time has, is a little bit against me. Giving to God's work is an opportunity to make an investment. Helping the needy, helping people around about you is another way of making an investment. Your money's not gone, it's invested. The second thing I want to touch on this morning is that divided loyalties just don't work. Certainly not in the kingdom. Jesus said, who can serve two masters? No one. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And I know this is always a bit of a, an awkward issue to talk about because who wants to voluntarily give up access to your wallet to somebody else? I'm sure that you've heard it spoken about uh, along the way that uh, 10% is God's and the, 90%, the other 90% is yours. Can I just rectify that this morning and say it's all His? It's all His. And when Jesus said you can't serve both God and mammon, He's saying there are only two options that exist. And there's no middle ground. The option is either God has control over my wallet, or I do. One of the two. You can't serve two masters. And I think it's, it's a sensitive issue. Because we, most of us here, have some money, some possessions. But may I say to you this morning, it's a trust account that's been given to you. It's He has allowed you to have it. He's allowed me to have it. But there's another very important part that you need to know about. There comes the day where He's going to ask you to use what He's entrusted to you. Because it belongs to Him. You see, as long as it belongs to me, it's almost like God needs my permission to use it. But when it belongs to God, God's saying, hang on, you remember that I, I, I loaned you? Remember I blessed you with that? Remember I gave you that? Um, there's time now. Uh, I'm going to need you to use that for my purposes. That's how it works. We enjoy the benefits, but we know where it truly belongs. That's why the believers in the early church had 
all things in common. They gave to everyone as they had need. I'm not trying to say that you should... Uh, that God is expecting every person to live a life of poverty. He's expecting you to live a life of discipleship. He's expecting us to live a life of obedience. And, uh, and so uh, the only possible way to understand what was happening in the early church was this. Jesus dies. He rises from the grave. He ascends to heaven the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. The church starts to meet together. There are a whole lot of poor people in the church. And so the apostles say, what are we going to do about it? Let's talk about the teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. They didn't have the chapters and verses there. And he says, you know what Jesus taught us? We must store up treasures in heaven. And we need to allow God to have control. So what we're going to do by putting, how we're going to put that into practice, we're going to take what's been given to us, what's been trusted to us, and we're going to make it available so that we help other people who are more needy than we are. And they said, now we're doing the Bible. That's how it came about. I think there's certainly some degree of confusion that's crept in, certainly in our culture. Because in this world, it's strange, but money has become everything. Money has become everything. People actually believe, and I want to use those words, they actually believe that money brings you happiness. How many of you know it doesn't? It can actually bring you a lot of sorrow, in fact. People actually believe that money gives you meaning and purpose. They actually believe that the worst thing in the world that could happen to me is I'm going to lose some of it. And I might have to trust God every day for what I've got. That's why Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. When there was a need in the church in Jerusalem, I want you to notice Paul doesn't do crowdfunding. He goes to the believers and he says, I want you to make you aware of a need that exists in the church and I would like you to decide how you're going to respond to what you've got. That's what he does. And to help them in that process, he gives them this word of encouragement. And I'm going to read it to you. It's in 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, he says, whoever sows sparingly, that means the way we use our finances, will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I do not believe he was talking about getting lots of money when you give. I think it's way bigger than that. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a... That means something very important. That in the Christian walk, you can come to the place where you enjoy giving. That makes sense. There's a, a sense of enjoyment. We are able to do it with joy. And then he goes on to say, and God will make all grace abound to you. Remember the Macedonian church. So that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed, here it is, here's the supply, and to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness 
You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Now, this brings us to an important issue that I want to touch on this morning, and it's God's wisdom and money. Have you noticed when it comes to the kingdom, God turns things upside down? He says the first will be last, and the last will be first. He said if you want to be great, learn to be the servant of all. Now, now, you will discover that same thing comes when it comes to money. Don't always just apply human wisdom to money. Because it's a kingdom issue. Just I want to give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. Just think of the, the wealthy young man who wanted to become one of Jesus' followers. Did you remember what he said to him? Uh, Jesus looked at him first of all, and the Bible says he loved him. So he wasn't being critical of this guy. He, was, he loved this guy. And he, this man who wanted to be one of his followers, and he says, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have ever told somebody that to do that? <laughs> We're scared to tell other people in case God says we must do it as well. But I mean, think of the, what Jesus was saying to that man. And obviously realizing that, that money and materialism had a stronghold in that man's life. So he says, give it all away. Interesting wisdom. What about the, the widow at the temple who puts everything she has into the offering? And then Jesus calls all his disciples around about him because he's sick and tired of what the Pharisees have been doing with money. He calls his disciples around him and he says, I want you to watch what's happening over here. And here's a widow and she takes all she had. She didn't have a reserve. She didn't have a credit card. It's all she had. And she puts it all in the offering bag for God. You know what Jesus does? He honors her. Have you ever told somebody to put all they had in the offering bag? I know when that comes to me, because I have, as a pastor, and maybe you've had to deal with it, people say to me, John, I can't afford to give to the Lord's work. And I always feel sorry for them. And this isn't a blanket statement for everybody. There, there are times God will say, I want you to trust me with your money. What about this verse that I included verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Would you agree that's easier said than done? <laughs> Would you agree that sometimes money is our biggest worry in life? And it's certainly easy to preach that when I go home and all my needs are met. But what about the guy or the girl or the woman that hears that and they've got absolutely nothing. See, Jesus realized when he taught about this thing of God and money, you can't serve both God and money, he knew one of the things that we're going to come up against straight away is that thing called fear. Have I got enough? What about tomorrow? 
God, will my pension be enough? And so I can go on. You see, having freedom to serve God means dealing with the fear that relates to finances. That's the breakthrough. I want to wrap up this morning by sharing with you something practical. I felt for this message it would be good to kind of put this in some practical terms and and to share with you some of the things that God has laid on our heart as a church. Because I believe when when, when payday comes and you do an EFT or you put money in the bag, I want this to help you to see what's on our hearts as a church. Number one, we felt a great concern for those we support. We call them our missionaries. They are dependent on this church for a, not everything, but a certain degree of their finances. We give to them on a monthly basis. They're dependent on our generosity. We felt this year as a church, we wanted to increase our support to them. Now, just to put that into a context for you um, and, 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 and to help you to grasp it, that we're looking at the moment, we're giving just short of a million rand a year to people to support them in the area of missions. And we felt God trusting us. We knew it was going to be tough this year. We knew things were going to... And he talked to some of the businessmen. They say it's carnage out there. But we knew that we needed to care for God's people. And so in your giving and when you're storing up treasure in heaven, I want you to think of the fact that we want to bless people who are serving God sacrificially. I don't know any missionary who's got too much. Most of them are struggling. That's the one area. The other area we wanted to sow into is because of the, the, the job market at the moment and the shortage of jobs, people are struggling to survive. And so we felt in the, li- in the light of Scripture and the Spirit of God's Word that we needed to do way more to care for people like that. And I don't want to go into all the details, but, but those were two of the, the things that God impressed on our heart for the year going forward. The other one, and, and, and I want to mention to you, give a, you a glimpse of this up front, is this past week at our elders' meeting, this has been quite a process, maybe uh, almost up to a year, we were approached by the Harari Baptist Church in Kailicha, and they said to us, will you, will you connect church, come alongside of us and help us? They're meeting in a, a very rundown kind of structure at the moment. They had borrowed some money to try and build a decent building. They put up the walls, the wind blew it down. Uh, and so they were in a bad way. And, and we have decided as an eldership just this week that we want to come alongside of them and help them to build a decent place to worship and a decent place to do ministry in that area in which they serve. And so you're going to be hearing a little bit more about this. But these are some of the things God is putting us on, on our hearts as a church. You've heard this morning about a thousand homes that were destroyed in Kailicha. That's a lot of people. Imagine how many people lived in those homes. Sometimes six and eight people in those homes. That's a lot of people. And so we're going to keep you up to date as to how you can help. We, we are part of a network of churches who will respond to that situation. We just, I've just actually WhatsApped the guy that 
is handling all of that this morning. I'm waiting for some feedback. I hoped I would have something before uh, the services this morning. But it's another area in which we can store up. And so I want to pray this morning as we close off. I want to pray for two things. Number one, that we'll do what we do in the grace of God. I want anybody here to have their arm twisted. I want us to do it not even for the sake of obedience because we want to do it because we want to delight in the Lord. I think giving joyfully means with delight. But I, I can't do that. You know, there's a side of me that's selfish. Maybe there's a side of you that's selfish too. I don't know. But we need lots of grace to be able to be the kind of people God wants us to be. We are not that just because we choose that. We are that because of grace at work in our lives. And secondly, that this thing of fear will really be broken. I mean, I don't know about you, but I certainly, when I hear and read what's going on with the economy and jobs and businesses and people being retrenched, there's a fear factor for me in that. I really get worried. I think about actual people. As a pastor, I hear about actual people. And so it is, it is something that I really need to bring before the Lord and say, God, I don't want to live in fear now in these adverse conditions, but I want to be able to say, Lord, you are my provider. You are my provider. And really mean that. That's why in the Lord's Prayer it says, give us today our daily bread, our provision. So will you stand with me as we pray and close off um, this morning? Our time has gone. As I close, I, in no way is this meant to be a financial appeal. This is you hearing the word of the Lord. You sitting and hearing what God is saying to you by the Spirit. And you responding to Him with joy in your own heart. And so, Father, I want to pray for us as a church today. Lord, we, we use that phrase very easily. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. But we are the body of Christ. That's how you speak about us. And Father, we come to you today and we thank you for the richness of the blessings that exist in this church. We acknowledge that you've entrusted us with much. And Lord, we honor you for that and thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, I ask you this morning, Father, for an outpouring of Holy Spirit grace amongst us. That, Lord, this would not be an area of bondage. But, Lord, this would be an area where of obedience. An area, Lord, where we feel a freedom and a desire to obey the Lord and honor you. And God, I pray, help me, help all of us today to be the kind of stewards of what you've entrusted to us like the Macedonians were. And then, Lord, I want to also pray. Lord, there are many of us that understand what it means when we talk about the fear of not having. And, Lord, it's something real. It's tangible. This is, Lord, not something artificial. It's real for us. We think about our kids and, and we think about food on the table and we think about those things, Lord. But I want to pray in the name of Jesus this morning 
Lord, for a freedom from the fear of not having. Lord, we want to break that this morning. We want to pray for just a moving of the Spirit amongst us, Lord. That we will be free from that from today onwards. Lord, we'll be able to say with Paul, I have learned to be content in any and every circumstance, whether I've got a lot or whether I've got a little. And so now receive from God what He has for you. From the Spirit, His grace, a freedom, the peace of the Lord would rest upon you this morning as God's people. In Jesus' name, Amen.